everyone, my name is Tori Roberts, and today I am here with Dr. Becky Morgan, who's a faculty member here at Cabrillo College, actually. So hi, how are hi, you doing? Hi, how are you? It's great to be here. Are you excited? I've been talking to you about this for two whole semesters now, huh? I know, we've been talking about this for so long that we're finally doing it, so that the buildup, it's, it's, it's been a long, long buildup. Yeah, the buildup is over, we're here, we're in the recording room that... Yeah. She agrees is scary a little bit. It's different than teaching a class. Yeah. Like it's different to be talking out into the ether rather than to have people sitting there that I'm talking to. Definitely less response. Yeah. It's a yeah. lot quieter too. It is a lot quieter. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It could be nice not having all the eyes on you. It is. It, and, and, and the quiet is nice. Like I don't get much quiet. Enjoy the quiet. Enjoy. All right, yeah. so the reason I have Becky here, um, so you are a psychology instructor at our school. Yes. So it might seem a little funny that I brought you on our Women in Math podcast. Yeah. But at the beginning of the first class I took with you, you mentioned that you used to be a math major. Yeah, I um, have my PhD in psychology, but um, my undergraduate degree is in math. So, yeah, so I am, I am legitimately or was once a woman in math. Well, I mean, you have a math degree. That, that is true. That'll yeah. stick with you for life, right? Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah. So you got your math degree at Boston College, right? Yes. And at, for that whole time, I assume you loved math and enjoyed it. I did, um, but it actually didn't occur to me to be a math major right away. Really? How did you fall into it? So I kind of think it's this, it's kind of a funny, not funny, but not funny, haha, but, but interesting funny. story um, where, first of all, when, when I went to college, so I went right out of high school and um, Boston College had a big orientation weekend for incoming students and students uh, incoming students and their parents would come for the weekend and we would do some activities together and some activities separately and I it was really interesting when they had us register for classes the very first semester during orientation they they had you registered during orientation they had us registered during <laughs> orientation yeah and they made a point of doing it when the incoming students and the parents were separate. That seems smart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, I think it depends on the relationship that you have with your parents. True. So their feeling was they wanted students to register for classes they wanted to take. They didn't want students to be taking the classes that their parents wanted them to take. Right. Um, and I had always felt very supported and understood by my by my parents who are psychiatrists and social workers so they're very much getting into people's heads so I always felt very well understood by them so I didn't feel like they were going to push me in the wrong direction and so I actually asked in the middle of registering I don't know I, I'm not sure if I should take this class or this class can, can I call my mom and ask like not because I want her to tell me what to take but 
she knows me better than all of you people that I just met at orientation. Like she knows what I like, she knows what I don't like. I wanted her feedback. Um, and they said, no, just pick something and, and oh. you know, just it'll be fine. Um, or go over and talk to somebody in the Spanish department about which Spanish you should go to uh, or you should you should register for. So I'm on my own, like I'm 18 and this is the first chance I get to pick my own classes. So I have to take calculus um, as part of the, the requirements. And so I think to myself, well, great. I get to pick whatever I want. I'm going to take the easy calculus. I'm going to take the calculus that's for non-math and science majors. This would be great. Now, if my parents had been there, they would have said, are you what if you decide to major in math or science? Because I was undecided when I started. And I, I'm sure my parents would have said, no, just you should just take the harder one. It'll just be just in case. And since my parents weren't there, I was like, I'm going to take the easy way out. So I registered for the easy class. Um, you said you were undecided. Were you undecided and leaning towards anything or just? I mean, I had a stint as a as a psych major. Mm -hmm. um, I actually just declared as that because so many people wanted to take psychology that they only let psych majors take general psychology. Oh, so you... I just <laughs> declared it so I could take the class and I had always planned to switch, so... That's tricky. That is tricky. That was kind of the... That's smart, though. It's the smart way around. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so you signed up for the easy calculus class. So I signed up for the easy calculus class. Um, Took that, got through the first semester, and I think I think it was at the end of the fall of my sophomore year. So it was like my mm -hmm. third semester in. And I don't remember what I took. I don't remember what else I took. But when I was signing up for classes that fall, this should have been my first tip-off. Five classes. You take five classes to be a full-time undergraduate. Um, I hadn't declared my major. I didn't know, or I was a psych major. Mm -hmm. And Undecided just for major. fun, I signed up for, I mean, I guess counting as electives. I don't know what else they would have counted for. I decided I'll take multivariable calculus and linear algebra. Oh, sure. Fun electives. Yeah, oh, just, yeah, just for fun. That's what everybody yeah, takes, I... right? Um, and I, I took both. I almost dropped linear algebra because I added it after the first day and was totally lost. But I figured it out, and so I stayed in it. And it actually, I still wasn't really sure what my major was going to be. And at the end of the semester, after getting through multivariable calculus and linear algebra, I was walking home to my dorm room from the linear algebra final exam. Oh, gosh. And I was like... That was, a, that was a fun semester. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. Math is a department. I could actually major in math? I could keep taking these classes? I could keep doing this? I didn't realize that. Like, it just had never crossed my mind that math was a major. That's so interesting, because I feel like math major is that looming horrible major to so many people yeah. like oh I know it's there but I would never do it yeah and you were kind of like I really like math man yeah. oh 
I could major in that. I get to major in math? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it really hadn't dawned on me. And I specifically remember walking home across campus and having it dawn on me that it's like, duh, it's a (laughs) no-brainer. I'm a math major. Um, So I declared my major in math. Now, of course... I took the math, the calculus for the non-math and science majors. But I mean, at that point, you had already taken higher level math classes, right? I had. I mean, so it it was, I think I had to get special permission when I took multivariable calculus to go right into it. But I guess what the, the, there is one piece of the math curriculum that I missed not doing that, that... I've managed to get through my life fine without it, but um, I never fully learned all about sequences and series Oh, in calculus. Yes, the sequences and series. Yeah. Like, I know that there's stuff in there that I've kind of had to struggle with in other classes where it came up. But it is unrelated enough yeah. to other material that I yeah. can see... Getting by without it. Sneak through without it, yeah. I can say from, I mean, I did complete the sequences and series section of my calculus curriculum, but I do know a lot of people around me who definitely consider that to be like the the lost chapter of their calculus series, even though they were there, you know, they Mm -hmm. learned it, they studied it, they took the exam on it. It's just, it is very out there when you first learn it. So you're probably not alone. Yeah, probably not alone. That just not understanding didn't get it. Yeah. sequences and series. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, you know, I always think, looking back, like my parents who know me best would have not pushed me into a direction that I didn't want to go. But like, you really liked math all through. I mean, in high school, I took probability and statistics as an elective. Yeah. So I mean, I'd always gone out of my way and taken more math than I needed to, but. Um, yeah, it just didn't cross my mind. And as soon as it did, it, it was obvious. Um, and yeah, it ended up being, it was a great major. I mean, it was nice that it was where I went to school and probably in a lot of places it was small. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't in huge lecture classes. I was in small classrooms with 15 students. Um, and it, I got to know my instructors and my professors, and and it it was a very cozy feel. Like I I sometimes look back and have second thoughts about where I went to college. Um, but what you did at college. But what I did about. at college and and the department and the faculty and and the experience of the major that I had. Like I've never had second thoughts about that. Even though I didn't go further into grad school or into that field specifically. Mm-hmm. I love my math major. Well, good. Yeah. I feel like if you decide to m- go through with a full degree in math, I mean, it's something you should love, right? Yeah. I mean, I I, I would always get the looks from people of like, well, what are you going to do with that? But um, what are you going to do for a job? But, um, you know, I even managed to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. So, like you said, you didn't continue to pursue your math degree in grad school, you actually Mm -hmm. got a psychology degree. Yes. Now, it's biological psychology was the title of your graduate degree, right? Psychobiology. Or psychobiology. So different, yeah, different schools kind of emphasize 
put those in different orders. So some places it's biopsychology or biological psychology. And where I was, it was psychobiology. I think because we were a psych department, we wanted to put the psych first. first. That's yeah. funny. I feel like I, I think to emphasize the second word more. Maybe that's yeah. just how yeah. I hear it, though. Yeah. All right. So, so you pursued your psychobiology degree at yes. UC Davis then, right? Yes. So how did you make the switch from loving your math degree and then you decided not to keep going with it? So, um, well, I don't know that this is good for math. This isn't, this isn't in, in, in the, um, this isn't good for math people, um, what I'm about to say. But my brother in college was a geology major. Okay. And I would watch him after college. Like people would ask him questions about, wow, you went on a, on a, on a, trip to I don't know Mexico for spring break and for you know with the geology department or um, wow tell me what you learned or we'd be driving down a highway like there were places in in New England where like you'd have cliffs on either side of the highway and they just carved out the road, the, the path for the, the highway. And he would pull over on the side of the road and say, well, look, if you stop and look at this layer of rock, like you can tell that, that this rock was put here during, during this epic of history. Um, and here's what it means. And, and this was like, the, you know, there's a lot of nitrogen in the environment mm-hmm. here or something. Just able to analyze yeah, the rock. Yeah, he could analyze the, the, the rock and people would look at him being like, wow, that is so fascinating. I never got that look from people when I said I was a math major. I would never get, "Wow, can you tell me about about what a what a Taurus is and what is it what's it like to play chess on a Taurus?" You get more the, "Oh, oh why would you Yeah. Why would you do that?" I hated calculus. Like that would be what I would hear. Like, "Yeah. What's wrong with you?" So nobody wanted to talk to me about math. Um, which is understandable. Which is understandable. It's definitely a common yeah. complaint in the math world. People are scared of it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't sure that I wanted to go on in math. The other thing I found is is that I really loved solving math problems. Like I loved doing calculus and algebra um, and you know, imagining finding the area under a curve and calculating it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't enjoy writing proofs as much. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I could do it, but it wasn't my favorite part of math. Like I liked math as a puzzle where I could go through these steps and the logic of it. Like if I follow these steps, I'll get the answer. I can definitely relate to that. It's I think the reason I'm most worried about taking linear algebra, yeah, which is funny you said that was your kind of transformation class. Yeah, it's, it's a very proof-based class, though, isn't it? Um, I don't remember. This was a long time ago, but I I remember in that class doing more calculations. All right. So it may depend on how it's taught, um, but I remember more calculations, like calculating what the determinant of a matrix is. All right. More so than proving, but... Well, then maybe I have nothing to worry about. Maybe. Yeah, it wasn't so bad. Oh, sure. 
<laughs> um, so, you know, I think that was my other concern was I liked those problem solving that if I went into grad school, it would be a lot more trying to solve problems and write proofs for things that maybe nobody had figured out before and developing new ideas and, and proving new theorems. And, and that wasn't really what I was as interested in. Um, and so my parents kept saying, well, think about you know, engineering where you're using math to solve problems. And I wasn't so interested in that. And in the meantime, I kind of got hooked on animal behavior. So my grandmother took me on a cruise to Alaska. Um, she was going to go with her boyfriend at the time, um, her partner after my grandfather died. Uh, and he got sick and wasn't able to go on the cruise. So he was fine, um, but, you got but, to go. but I got to go. I got to take a spot. So, and we had an, an, a naturalist on the cruise to Alaska that would tell us like, when a bear scratches a tree, here's what it means in like human language. And um, when, you know, he would tell us about orcas and sea otters and bears and, you know, all these animals that we were gonna see in, in Alaska and would try to translate animal behavior into human language. Like, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. And I was fascinated by that. Um, I had spent, after college, I moved home for a little bit of time with my parents, as many people nowadays are forced to do, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I, would, I was reading books that I would get at the library about breeds of dogs and intelligence and which breed is the smartest and would try things out with my the family pet at home and we'd go walking every day. I would take my dog for a walk and we would, I would just sit there and watch the squirrels and try to figure out why they were doing what they were doing. So I got bit by this animal behavior bug. Um, and So much better than getting actually bit. Yeah, by, <laughs> by animals or bugs. Yep. Yeah, um, so I, I ended up deciding, well, maybe I want to study animal behavior. And from there, you could go to like psychology programs or zoology or biology or anthropology. And I decided I'd have the easiest time transitioning into a psychology program because after math, as an undergraduate, I had the most classes in psychology. Because that's what you started as. that's what I started as. Um, and I stayed on campus for a summer to do summer classes. And the most interesting summer classes, there weren't a lot of variety of summer classes. Mm -hmm. And the most interesting ones were in psych. So I took a bunch that summer. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'll try, try to study it in a, try to study animal behavior in a psych department. And at UC Davis, there was this guy, uh, his name was Jeff Shank. I think he's still there, uh, who, he was teaching in a psych department, but he didn't get his degree. He didn't get his uh, PhD in psychology either. He had gotten his PhD in a philosophy department and was interested in the philosophy of science. And what he, so he's done a lot of different things in the field of science. And um, one of what he was kind of had started doing as a, as a professor was he wanted to, create computer and mathematical models of animal behavior. 
So he was interested in animal behavior, but he was doing a lot of computational mm-hmm. projects. So um, when I was in graduate school, he was building robotic rat pups. So he was trying to program uh, robots to move around and interact with each other in the same spatial ways that baby rat pups interact with their litter mates. Um, And so I reached out to him seeing that, um, because when I applied to grad school at this particular, at UC Davis, at the time you had to be admitted to work with a specific faculty member. So Mm -hmm. you had to, they recommended kind of conversing with faculty who you might want to have as your advisor. And you were interested in the rat pup robots. Well, I wasn't wasn't interested in rats. I don't like rats. (laughs) Uh, The thought of holding a rat totally creeps me out. Um, But I was interested in animal behavior. All right. (laughs) And I had experience in math. So I thought, he does animal behavior and he does mathematical models. So yeah, maybe I could do, maybe I could do both. And so I got in touch with him and um, sent him a message saying, here's my background. I, I'd really be interested in talking to you. And he said, that sounds great. And we talked on the phone and I came out and toured uh, UC Davis and had an interview and met him and met his other grad students. Um, and so when I was, admitted into UC Davis's PhD program in psychology, mm-hmm. he was assigned to be my advisor. So yeah. he's kind of the fact that we had this mutual mathematical computational interest is what really made me attractive to him as a grad student. And him um, attractive to you as yeah as a mentor, sort of. Right, right. yeah. So um, it kind of, it was this great match um, that got me into grad school. Now, I didn't, in the long run, the, the, the fear of the rats kind of drove me off. So I didn't finish grad school with him as my advisor, as my main advisor, and I didn't continue doing that kind of research. But... That's what I spent the first couple of years working with him. And, and and I didn't actually do the rat research with him. We did more, we did other computer or mathematical modeling. We were exploring some other um, uh, uh, mathematical animal behavior biology concepts. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. It seems like you had such a smooth transition through your whole schooling. Yeah. And, but it changed a lot. Yeah, it changed a lot, but it yeah. happened so seamlessly, it seems. I mean, of yeah. course, it probably didn't feel that way when it yeah. was happening, but. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things, too, when I talk to students now is how, you know, I always emphasize to them that it doesn't necessarily matter what you major in, that a lot of it, whether you're in math or psychology or or history or wherever, you're getting certain skills. Mm-hmm. Um, your your undergraduate career is just teaching you how to study, how to problem solve, how to think critically. And then from there, once you have those skills, you can really take that in any direction of whatever whatever is interesting you interesting to you at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, it did kind of evolve that I started off very kind of math oriented. Um, 
and found that I was more interested in animal behavior and wanted more hands-on animal behavior work than computer models and robots and 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 the math side. Um, and so I started to do, I shifted my interest into other animal behavior and psychology research. But I mean, anytime you're doing research in psychology and you're you're collecting data, you still have to analyze it. So mm-hmm. I was still taking statistics classes and um, so your math gra- back- background was a really good foundation for you. Yes, and I felt like I was one of the only people in stats class in grad school who had any idea what was going on <laughs> because I'd already taken stats in a right. college math department. Um, so I definitely felt like I was a couple of steps ahead of other students of not, I mean, one, I mean, the biggest step for so many people is to just not be scared of math. Right. Right. That um, so many people just shut down as soon as they hear math like and see numbers yeah. that they don't even really get a chance to see if they could understand it because they, they don't let themselves that they could yeah or that they couldn't right right they just shut down and i mean thankfully i never really had that math phobia um, but yeah i mean so even though i didn't go in a math direction career wise i definitely math helped get me to where i was where i ended up yeah the magic of the math blanket. Yes, absolutely. Or as I want to say, the beauty of mathematics. Yes. My uh, eighth grade math teacher, like that was her catchphrase. Um, the beauty of mathematics. She had pencils made that she gave all of us that say, you know, the beauty of mathematics. Um, That's so funny. I think of my eighth grade math teacher as a really pivotal person in my yeah math education she used to just be so enthusiastic also and yeah she had, she had little catchphrases that have definitely stuck with me yeah it's funny it was your eighth grade math it was teacher my too. Eighth, grade, eighth grade math teacher and I thought back to her I think it was probably the year that I started at Cabrillo which was a couple of years ago now because mm-hmm. um, as a biopsychologist teaching biological psychology and teaching about the brain I came across an article about how if you show if you show somebody a photo of something beautiful whether it's a face that's beautiful or a landscape scene that's beautiful there are certain parts of the brain that um, become more activated when mm-hmm. we see beauty and what these researchers I don't know who the researchers were but what they had done is taken what mathematicians would define as a beautiful equation um, like, oh gosh, I can't even remember examples. I mean, I think some of the characteristics are they're simple but profound math equations, um, like that capture very complicated processes in very few um, digits or terms, right? And then there's another, I think there's some famous math equation that I've forgotten now that has both E, I, and pi in it all together. Wow. So it's like this beautiful math equation with all the the defining like special um, uh, symbols in math. And when they, so what these neuroscientists found is if you show photographs, or not photographs, but if you show mathematicians these equations, 
the same brain areas that are active in the general public for beauty are active are active in the mathematicians. That's so funny. I wonder if and it, it just told it totally brought me back to oh, I wish I could go find Mrs. Raffles and say math you really are is right beautiful. to the mathematician's brain math is beautiful. Like the, there is beauty in mathematics. That's such a cool study. Yeah. So it was one of these full circle moments of me going from the mathematician to the biological psychologist that just tied it all together with a nice, neat little string. And, wow. and now I give out pencils that say, I brain psychology to my students. Oh, yes, I've received one of those pencils. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Wow. That's must be so satisfying. It is. Everything is just, yeah. it worked out so well. And now, yeah. you know, you're an instructor here at Cabrillo College, yeah. and you seem to enjoy it when you're I lecturing. Do. I do. I do like it. And because of the students. I mean, seriously, students, I mean, it sounds so cliched, but it's also, I mean, if I'm having a bad day and I come into class and have to get my energy up for, for class, um, by the time I leave class, I'm having a good day. Like, the energy that students bring and the questions and the curiosity, it, it, makes the job worth doing and it you know I feed off of the students energy and 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 it's every class and every student and every year it's different so it it never gets Mm -hmm. old because because the faces and the interest the faces change and the interest like things that may be kind of well I've heard this before this is this is old news to the students, it's not. It's new. It's exciting. And, and their excitement makes me excited again. Speaking of, you were going to ask a question, and I didn't want to, like, squash your excitement before. Oh, no, that's fine. I think that's a really interesting way to look at teaching and what you get out of it. Because I yeah. think it's so important that teachers, you know, they find reward in teaching students new things, something that, you know, you're very knowledgeable about the material, but you're right, when you teach us, it's new to us. Yeah. Wow. And I even think, too, yeah, I mean, it's new to you. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the thing that that sometimes we, the more you teach, the harder it is to remember that, that, wow, what was it like the first time that I heard this? Um, Both for the excitement level and for the level of, explanation like what mm-hmm. level do we need to to explain things at well good um it's so comforting to know that it worked out so well that you I mean just as a student looking towards my future mm-hmm. just you started with this path you didn't know what you were gonna do you didn't know what you wanted to do right. and it seemed like it everything kind of found you and it worked out to this yeah. you know this job you have that you like so much yeah I mean it just kind of it just worked you just I don't know if I was supposed to end up here but this is where I ended up and and I'm happy with where I am um yeah I think there were moments in grad school that I second-guessed what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. um I was tempted to go back to more mathematical uh, uh, fields. Um, one, one year in grad school, I, just for fun, because I'm the one who took right, just for multivariable fun. calculus and linear algebra as electives. Um, I 
bought a calculus book, just bought it online for like who buys who buys a college textbook when they have to buy it? Like I bought it for fun just to like just graze through. Just go through it. Yeah, I'm just going to brush up on my calculus. Yeah. Um and I sat in on some um uh structural engineering courses just just to pop in and see what was happening and and was very tempted to drop out of grad school to go get a master's of education um, to be a high school math teacher, which is what I really, there's even now a part of me that says like, that's what I, that would be what I would really love to do. But, um, you know, I love what I do now and, and I could do that, but, you know, it's nice to be in a career and to be doing it and you know Mm -hmm. I still have the contact with students even if I'm teaching psych rather than math but um it was tempting for a while yeah I can see that yeah I think um you know and I I kind of feel lucky that all along I was never scared of math like I think that really helped me get where I was you know where I am and Mm -hmm. um it reminds me of something else that kind of makes me think of, you know, so much of my family. Like, I think my parents, they know when to push and when not to push. Like, they, mm-hmm. I think they would have been really helpful that day in choosing, in, that, in choosing calculus that calculus class. class. You know, they're also probably the reason that I didn't drop out of grad school to be the high school math teacher, that they really pushed me to get your get your degree first finish your phd and then you can do whatever you want Mm -hmm. like you've already started it if you get your phd and then want to go to school and get a master's of education and be a math teacher go for it but just finish what you start um and then that kind of led me to uh uh not leave psychology but not through their fault um but you know they were always really good about i mean there are some stereotypes about how you know women aren't supposed to be as good at math as as men and and I never got that from my parents I think one of the things um kind of my family culture was that you know anybody can do anything and and I came from a family with really great role models like my um I was thinking about this leading up to to today in our interview that you know I have really strong female science math um, family members in the generations before me that my, I think I told you about one of them. Yeah, I was definitely going to ask you about it if you didn't mention it. Um, Yeah, so my, but I'm actually, well, so my, my, on my mother's side, my grandfather's cousin. So I guess that makes her like my First cousin twice removed is, I think, what I figured that out. Um, right. I've never understood the removed part. Yeah, I finally it's figured it out. It's very complicated. It, it, it's actually not complicated, but it takes a while of, like, looking at things to figure it out. Right. So my first cousin twice removed um, was here's a woman the, named – what? Oh, just here's the punchline. Here's the punchline. Um, was a woman named Grace Murray Hopper. So I'm related through the Murrays. Um which is her maiden name. And she um, helped work on the very first computer uh, 
computers and computer programming languages. So um, she worked on like the UNIVAC computers when they would take a computer would take up an entire room. Um, and she helped with like the writing, developing the very first universal programming code. Um, and she legend has that. it, yeah. The debugging term, right? That yes. was her? Yeah. Legend has it, she coined the phrase debugging a computer, that there was a problem. Um, she might have invented the compiler, I believe, as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so she, uh, so the debugging, there's a problem with the program, and they went in and they found a moth in the computer, <laughs> or in the, and so they removed it. So you have to go through and fix the problems. You're debugging a computer. Um, Whether it be actually... Taking a bug out. Actually taking a bug out. Exactly. Um, but don't get bitten by that bug. Yeah. Right. That'd be um, bad. That'd be bad. And then, um, so I had written, like, papers about her throughout my life. And um, mm -hmm. so she was this very accomplished um, woman who was a computer scientist. She was also at the time the highest ranking woman in the Navy. She was a rear admiral. Oh, wow. Um, she's since had a ship, um, the most computerized ship in the Navy, I think it was at the time that it was launched, named after her, the USS Hopper, that the family was able to go uh, uh, to the, the ship um, christening. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I should have looked this up. Uh, she got a... She died in the late 80s, or in the 90s, I think, sometime, um, the 1990s. And so last year, um, in his last awarding of civilian medals, um, uh, uh, President Obama gave, was giving medals. Like every year, I guess they give out a certain number of medals. So mm -hmm. last year, um, he gave a medal to Ellen DeGeneres, um, uh, I want to say Tom Hanks. Um, there are a bunch of people I remember seeing in the photos yeah. that I was like, I know all these people. Yeah. And Grace Hopper. Wow. Um, and so she's you know, since passed away, or passed away before this. So her family members got to go receive it for her. And so I have a second cousin twice removed or third cousin I don't remember what we are. Some that part, cousin. somebody, some distant cousin. But we grew up together. We spent our summers together, and we're roughly the same age. And mm -hmm. so, she and her parents and siblings got to go, and she was the one who got to go up and actually receive the medal. Oh, that's so cool! So she's there with all with the president and with all these celebrities, and um, she and her brother, who's a little bit younger than us, were like all the celebrities got together and did a mannequin challenge. So she's in the mannequin challenge with all of them. Oh, how so, funny. Yeah, that is cool. That's so neat that you have her as a role model in your own family to look up yeah. to. And, and like you said, she was praised so much recently, even after yeah. she had passed. Yeah. But. Oh, and they, they just this year... Um, Yale University, where I think she did some graduate work, um, they decided they had one of their colleges had been named for, I think, a white supremacist, that Calhoun. Mm -hmm. I don't remember who he was. But not, I'm a psychologist. Not I'm not guy. a historian. Yeah, he's not the best guy. <laughs> and so um, there had been talk for a long time about how Yale should rename the college mm -hmm. that um, f to somebody that is more um, 
positive of a role model. And so just in the last year, they decided to name, to rename Calhoun College at Yale, uh, the Grace Hopper College. So yeah, in the last year, it's interesting. She's gotten a lot more recognition. Um, so she's somebody that a lot of people have heard of. A lot of people haven't heard of her. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that was interesting is when I was growing up, my father was, legend has it, family legend this time, <laughs> that um, my father got a perfect score on his math SATs. So this was in the 60s, so the scoring was different. But still impressive. Got a perfect score on the math SATs. So he was the go-to tutor okay. in high school for my brother, myself, our boyfriends, girlfriends, our um family friends for math and chemistry and all these other sciences, um, including me. So every once in a while, I would always kind of get my work done. But if I had any problems I that I couldn't figure out, I'd say, Dad, when you get home from work, can I have just a couple of problems that I'm stuck on? And he would help me. And I tried to carry that over when I went to college. Like there would mm-hmm. be times where I would call him up during linear algebra or um, – intro to analysis where you're proving calculus and things like that. And I'd call him up and I'd say, Dad, I'm stuck on this problem. And I'd talk him through it over the phone. And I'd say, can you help me out with this? And, you know, through calculus and maybe even multivariable calculus, he was able to help a little bit, Um, maybe linear algebra. But then as I kept going, you know, Euclidean and non-Euclidean geometry and Mm -hmm. intro to analysis and... Um, where I started learning like number theory and things like that, Um, set theory, I'd call him up and he'd say, I don't know. I never did this math. He was a psychology major and and went to medical school, so he didn't go in a math direction. But he'd say, I never, you're beyond me. You're taking math that I never took. I can't help you anymore. It's time for you to call your grandmother because – his mother. Um, it's time for you to call. Your it's time for you to call grandma for help on math. I mean, how how many kids hear that? Yeah. Sentence, because my grandmother, his mother, she had seven kids, and when the youngest kid, she had been in college when she met my grandfather, and she they met because he was. Um, a World War II veteran, and when he came home, he needed a tutor, and she was his tutor. She was very bright, um, Mm -hmm. and so they ended up getting married and having kids, and she wasn't able to finish college because she got married and had seven kids. Um, But she could still help you with... So when her youngest of seven went to college, she went with him. Oh, wow. He, they both, uh, this was in Iowa. And so when the youngest graduated from high school, Mm -hmm. he went to Iowa State University for college. And she moved into adult student housing, not with him, (laughs) on her own. And just my grandfather had died. So it was just her. The kids are gone. And for basically most of my memory in life, she was living on the Iowa State University campus riding her bike to class and she was there for decades just taking classes like she took so she kind of got her dream she finally got to go back to school that kind of is the dream isn't it just 
you know, go about your life, but then go back and learn all the things you wanted to learn. Learn everything you wanted to know. Yeah. So she she spent some time studying anthropology and she did world religions and she did math. And so she had she had done kind of the math degree. And so my father, so she she had gone back and, and learned a lot of that stuff. And so it was always on the phone on, you know, later in college, like, the only person that you know, other than people at college, that, that has done this is grandma, right? Grandma can do this stuff. Call grandma. I never called grandma. Oh. Well, I think I tried once, but her hearing was going, so it was just too complicated. But yeah. yeah. But I knew wow. she could do it. So again, like again, in the, someone like directly in your family. Right. Just... Yeah. And a woman in math. Wow. To They're look up just to. Flooding all over They're you. Just everywhere. That's yeah. so exciting. A lot yeah. of people don't have that. And right. people around them, people related to them who have kind of surpassed the yeah. challenges and overcome the stereotypes. But that's so interesting that, yeah. you know, you and two others directly in your family have. Yeah, absolutely. You have these role models. and yep. I'm sure, I mean, I do, people listening probably do, people who know you yeah. appreciate so much having, you know, just you as a role model with yeah. the math degree. You math degree. overcame it. And I mean, you're doing yeah. what you want to do. Yeah. So, yeah. So neat. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's not it's not always the plan that you expect, but it always seems to Yeah. For me it's worked out, I guess I should say. Yeah. I'm so glad. And wow, yeah. you were even I mean, I expected you to be a great guest on the podcast, but I mean, well, wow. I, I hope I've so, been a good guest. Yeah. So great. I've learned so yeah. many interesting things. Little tidbits, factoids. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for talking with me. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thanks for it. having me. It's been, you know, I'm so glad that Cabrillo has put this podcast together. I mean, when I, when Tori, you first told me about it, I thought it was a fabulous idea. Like, I think it's, it's a real hands-on way to actually start to encourage, you know, women in the math and sciences is something that, that there's always a lot of talk about how can we encourage more of this and that um, this is this podcast and and is one real hands-on way that you're actually doing it that you're creating something that you can experience that may mm -hmm. actually make a difference it is really cool to be a part of this project I mean I'm yeah. thankful all the time yeah and I've told you about this I think one I mean one of the coolest things about it actually I don't know if you knew this actually isn't a Cabrillo run project. Mm, okay. It's just a, you know, a number of individuals who've been putting it together and it's gotcha. people who are genuinely interested. And we've gotten a lot of people who wouldn't think to be a part of something like this and think, oh, that could be interesting. And mm -hmm. I think, yeah, you're right. It's incorporating a lot of people who might be afraid of math or afraid yeah. of pursuing what they want to in math. Mm -hmm. And it's been... Yeah, a really rewarding experience, I think, for listeners and participants. Yeah. So. Well, keep it up. Keep up the good work. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. I actually did really quick before we oh, right. sign off here. I wanted to read the T-shirt that you're wearing here. I, I have a thing with T-shirts and ties and pocket squares and socks that they, they usually match up to something that we're talking about in my classes. So today I didn't wear a shirt that was related to my classes that I was teaching today. I wore a t-shirt that my parents just gave me last month for my birthday that relates more to this podcast. So you can't see it, but Tori will read it for I you. I will. It's a really cool, and it's very color coordinated with everything else. Yes. But so this t-shirt has a bunch of math symbols. It says, 
Never underestimate a woman with a math degree. I th- That's right. Good way to sign off. Never underestimate a woman in general, really. That's right. All right. So thanks, everyone, for listening.